Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. How are you, Stacey? I'm doing well. John uh, is sitting here with some sunshine this morning, a little bit cold here in North Carolina, but I'll take the sunshine, so that's a good thing. Uh, I'm sitting in Santa Cruz, California, staring out across the Monterey Bay at Monterey, and uh, looks like another beautiful day. Well, can't beat that, so... <laughs> No, All the you, nice if you listen closely, and... you can hear the you can hear the ocean roaring in the background. <laughs> there was a big article this week about um, how um, investors were focusing more on the Midwest because they were so many people wanting to leave California, particularly San Francisco Bay Area, because of the high prices. I said, well, there are a lot of people who probably will leave because of the high prices. But they are going to miss a few things, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Midwest doesn't yeah, quite have that. <laughs> it's it's really hard to uh, leave the ocean if you need ocean. It would yeah. be really hard to leave, and I think a little bit of that is overblown. You know the 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 expansion of uh, tech hubs into metropolitan areas around the United States and around the globe has been going on for ten years now, and yeah. um, people leave for a variety of reasons. It's it's pretty cool to get out of California, you can you can look like a king on the California salary in Charleston, South Carolina. You can, you can. The question is, do the salaries follow you? That'll be interesting to watch if they do. So <laughs> Yep, yep, it will. So so what's in the mailbag? Well it's a busy uh, you know, week, but more so in sort of preparation for the upcoming week. So, so we've got a lot of conferences that both you and I will be attending in the next couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, you and I, I think, will both be at Ultimate Event next week. Um, Oracle HCM World is coming up. There's a um, conferences uh, for many of the other vendors that will be coming up after that, um, as well as many sort of uh, speaking engagements. So, so that's just in the winds that people should know that there will be a lot of news coming out. Um, and then also there's interesting um, investments being made, you know, not as many as there were sort of last week, but still some interesting ones and some pretty large ones. So we had um, Degreed raises over $42 million in Series C funding. So for those of you who don't know what Degreed is, Degreed is a learning technology platform. Um, they don't call themselves a learning management system. They're, they're more focused on sort of connecting the dots with various types of learning and letting end users sort of keep track of that from the, for themselves, whether that's inside corporations or outside corporations. And so that's an interesting one to have a conversation about. We have $100 million um, investment going on for Scout. Scout is a recruiting technology um, it's automated sourcing engine. Um, you probably know a little bit more about Scout than I do, so so we'll talk a little bit about what's going on there. We also have um, JobCase. Um, JobCase is a what they call workplace social platform. Um, you and I had a conversation about the fact that we're not exactly sure where it fits in the categories. Um, they're getting $11.5 million in funding. Uh, and then JustWorks, which is a sort of a, a competitor to um, – Zenefits and to Namely and some of the other small um, SMB-based uh, HRMS application tools and, and benefits and payroll tools, um, they got $40 million. Um, and then basically, 
Um, you know, those are sort of all the big investments this week. But we also, I think, have some interesting stuff going on in the functional side, which to me is actually more interesting. The investments are always good to talk about, but we've also got um, Salesforce being tapped to be sort of the primary human resources tool, at least that's the way it sounds, for the Customs and Border Protection uh, Group here in the United States. And it's very interesting to see how they're describing this. It seems like it's a very big deal, um, large investment in money, and, and probably worth having some conversation about, you know, is Salesforce seen as an HR tool? Um, and then if we have time, um, there is some new interesting stuff coming out on the AI front. There's a, a new algorithm that's out that's supposed to let AI learn from mistakes. I mean, you've had this ongoing conversation about is mistakes the best way to learn? Um, well, it seems like there are AI programmers who feel that that's important part of sort of building that into the AI models, and so they're doing that. And we can talk a little bit about whether that's going to make a change in, in some of the, the AI algorithms that we're seeing in the market. So it's interesting, some, a lot of stuff going on uh, this week, but I think it's in sort of ramp up to what's going to be happening in a couple of weeks. So Good, good. So, so let's plow in. You want to work backwards or you want to work forwards? Let's start with with Scout. You know them well, John, and a hundred million dollars. That's quite a quite an investment for what we would consider as a sort of automated sourcing engine, right? I mean, they're a they're a recruiting application software that's sort of on the newer end of things. It, is this investment something that they're going to use to to expand functionality, or is this more marketing and, and investment in talent? Uh, so so let's 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 start with what what Scout is. Scout is a very interesting combination of vendor management and um, uh, sourcing automation and uh, crowdsourcing of recruiting talent. And so so what they've done is they've built a marketplace for recruiting. This is this is something that uh, bounty jobs probably was the first to try to do this. And these guys at, at um, Scout are just taking the bounty job model and really amping it up so that what you get is a single um, invoice for all of your contingency search efforts. And something you know, something like uh, 30% of recruiting is done through contingency search. Mm, um, wow. And so so if if you've got if you've got third-party recruiters working for your company, they tend to be a decentralized force um, uh, with little oversight, little control, and little standardization and lots of administrative duplication. And so the idea here is to take um, that process and standardize it so that you are able to make a selection for the best recruiter for the job um, in some sort of competitive setting. And, and they're getting extraordinary uptake. And, and so my guess is that the, that the real focus of the investment is going to be to enlarge and expand the capabilities. So, you know, you, you, you'll end up with some back end screening kinds of stuff and, um, uh, a larger penetration of the market because if if you are you know let's say there's a downturn coming which there might be in the next year or so some of us would say 
depending on who's got the ball, it'll be either be right before the election or right after the election. Um, um, And then that will shift the way that recruiting gets done, as recessions always do. And so it looks to me like they're getting in position so that when the layoffs come and you need to, that's, that's when third-party recruiting actually gets an acceleration when the layoffs come, that, that they'll be there to expand as the, as the downturn progresses. That's my bet. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense. Let's make sure the model for this, because... <clears throat> The third-party recruiter model, you know, it's been a, it's been a bit of a struggle. I, I used to to do many years ago training and development for uh, a group called Management Recruiters International, which is a whole franchise function that did nothing but third-party recruiting models. And at that point in time, I mean, it wasn't uncommon for them to make 30% upmarks on uh, salaries for employees that they would find for people is is that the market that you're talking about? They're they're pulling that type of a market together and 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 yeah, adding yeah, some substance that's, around that. That that's how a significant part of hard to fill roles are filled, right? So 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 that's the market. That's the market. Wow. Well, and it's and because when you know talking to a lot of people who used to be in that industry, they've said you know the numbers are considerably down as they are when you have a you know. Um, at least they were a few years ago as, you know, sort of the Internet and search capabilities sort of expanded. Many of them had to really rethink their approach to relationship management, which I think changed that market a great deal. And then it sounds like now they're adding technology to it with something like this, and that will um, – for hard-to-find positions and when you know just – when there's 10 people in a certain, you know, industry and in a certain career and a certain capability of skill sets, you know, knowing the right person who knows all of them is the most important thing to know, Right. So, yeah, that's not surprising. There's an important thing here, too, which, you know, I've I've been been thinking hard about the fact that that the recruiting function um, has a lower performance standard than most other organizational functions. It's it's you can find Harvard Business Review articles that say that hiring managers are dissatisfied with their hiring decisions 50% of the time. Um, And and that sort of failure rate in the function is uh, challenging, right? With with third-party recruiters, the hiring manager has more control, gets treated like a customer, and often um, if the if the hire doesn't work out, the cost evaporates, and so so it's a more um, accountable hiring process, and yeah. and there's a certain range of hiring managers who really like that more account, accountable hiring process. Yeah, it was it was always a, it was an interesting industry to sort of develop, you know, sort of long term training for because, you know, it was easy to sort of, especially when the market was sort of, there was a lot of, of candidates and there was, you know, you were trying to fill sort of lower end positions. People oftentimes would sort of feel like, oh, we're just sort of picking up the phone and calling. But a big part of it was, the as you said, the candidates and whether or not they lasted. And if those candidates lasted, you held on to that recruiter. That, that recruiter became, you know, your go-to person because you knew you got quality candidates out of them. And, and that was a really big part of developing the relationship. So I can see where that matters. And technology that helps you figure that out could really be a big component of it. So interesting. So there's, a, there's another thing going on here, too, that, that, that's, that's worth 
talking about. Uh, one of the things that, that I'm discovering as I dig further and further into how AI is being deployed is that there's, there's a range of risk in the, in the actual moment-to-moment performance of an AI system um, that means that the quality of the decisions coming out of an AI system vary over short periods of time. Uh, so you can't, it's like having a sort of a, a grumpy, erratic employee. You can't really predict exactly what the results mean all the time. Um, and, so, and so that risk internally, um, it's easier to have a business model that works around that risk if you take responsibility for the whole transaction. Um, yeah. And so there's, there's a financial and business model case that I'm seeing made for outsourcing AI because that means the vendor holds the risk. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm going to guess that that's a part of this, although they're not talking about that in their public pronouncements about it. But it's, if, if you're talking about a $100 million investment in something like this, it's got to be a technology investment. Yeah, at this point in time, that seems to be the most expensive thing is the skill sets required to do really good AI. Um, you know, we've talked to a lot of organizations that are struggling to find capabilities, so I would assume that would be a big part of investing that much money in something like this. You know, it, it's interesting, you know, you've been doing a lot of research in the AI space. Do you anticipate that, you know, as we sort of ramp up this AI conversation, that, you know, we're looking at, you know, five years or six years, you know, of, of shortened skill sets? Or, or is this going to be like a 10, 15-year time frame before we get enough people who really understand what's going on in this space to be able to fill these jobs that are needed? Well, you know, jobs don't go unfilled just because you don't have qualified people to work in them. I, I think that's a that's a... Um, a myth that's out there that we don't do stuff because we don't have qualified people to do it. When we don't have qualified people to do stuff, unqualified people do it. And (laughs) so that's even worse. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. 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 And that's, that's in the military. That's called a battlefield promotion. Uh, You're close to the work. You know enough about what's going on. You get handed a book about the stuff you don't know. And somebody tells you, get going. Um, but, and that's how, you know, before there were, there were, before every uh, advanced education institution had a, um, um, a computer science department, the way that people learned how to program was they learned how to program on their own. And, and that's what's going to happen with this with this first wave of AI is people are going to learn how to do it on their own. A lot of people are going to learn how to do it who are who are computer science people to begin with because that looks like the logical place and that may be the worst group to pick from. Uh, but 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 the the jobs won't go unfilled. They'll just be filled by a lower quality hire. Well, that might be a perfect segue into our next conversation then. So of Degreed raising $42 million in their Series C funding and also naming a new CEO, that's important. But I, but I think that the interesting thing is, is to see the growth that we're seeing come out of Degreed. Um, Degreed lists themselves as a lifelong learning platform. Now, um, 
you know, the idea of Degreed came out of the fact that um, uh, many organizations were struggling with um, what was at that point in time sort of the standard learning technology in the market, which were learning management systems. And learning management systems, one of the biggest challenges with them was that they didn't go from company to company. So anything that you learned inside of a company oftentimes just stayed there when you left. Um, also, all of the sort of Khan Academy, Udemy's, those type of app, um, applications that were sort of built around the idea of just-in-time video-based um, learning that you would sort of just go in and take it as you needed didn't have as much structure and definitely not as much analytics as what we saw in the learning management space. So it was sort of a trying to figure out what path you wanted to take direction where Degreed um, sort of combined the idea of you tell me a little bit about you and I will structure a learning program that continues to sort of keep changing with your needs for you. I will be able to share that learning that you're taking with your corporate entity and I will also let you take it when you leave that corporate entity. So they're sort of trying to play the middleman. They do not claim to be a learning management system, but they're getting $42 million. Um, and it looks like you know the goal here is to invest in um, more artificial intelligence. Um, it's also to invest, it looks like, in sort of growing sort of their sales and marketing, which is, is, a, is a probably a pretty in, important need. But they've grown, you know, almost 100% year over year. And I've been pretty impressed with the, the amount of um, market that they're taking in this space. Um, you've uh, had briefings with them as well, John. Do you think that um, Degreed is sort of the next generation model of what learning is going to look like for most organizations? So, so it's interesting. We have such we have we have complementary but different views of them. It, it seemed mm -hmm. to me uh, that Degreed was um, primarily a tool for validating learning that you have that's not formal learning. So, so if you are a um, somebody who's learning about AI by taking online courses here and there, you can assemble that into the equivalent of a degree using the, the equivalency, uh, for, for lack of a better word, the equivalency algorithms inside of degree. So it, so it helps you present your credentials when you have non-traditional sources of credential in your resume. Uh, that's 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 how I understood it, and that's that's congruent with what you're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't disagree with that. I I think you know you you picked up on an area that that for me, you know, I look come at it from the learning background space, and I was looking at what gap was it filling on the learning side. You're looking at it, you know, what gap is it filling for the end user perspective, right? Yeah. Or or from the recruiter's perspective, well, both oh, both even. of those. Both. Of yeah, those validating it, and, and yeah. so. So that's what that's what I think they're trying to do, and um, uh, it's it, it's a great idea. It, it seems to me that it's a bit of a challenge to actually implement, but they are overcoming those things, and a lot of what they will do is navigate that implementation challenge. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that this investment will go for beyond sort of some of the the other stuff that we talked about is their new skill certification, and, and it's worth mentioning, I think, along with what you were talking about, is um, up to this point, sort of 
their approach to sort of building this idea of, of all the things you were pulling together was a little bit sort of haphazard. Like, I, you know, this skill went here and this went to this and this attached to this type of a, a model. The skill certification is a little bit more corporate or association driven with the idea of, okay, we, now we have a series of things that you can take that does certify you, even if they're not all courses per se, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. They've really, they're investing heavily in this. Um, this is a big part of their new rollout, so I think that'll be a big part of what you'll see coming out for them. To your point, expanding on this idea of validation um, and w- what's happening in the market. Um, you know, people are trying to figure out a way to show, look, I, I, you know, I may not be able to get, you know, a job that says this is what my job was, but I was doing this in some way and learning about this in some way uh, while I was doing that job that didn't have that job title, right? Right. Yeah. right that's good. Okay, um, you know what? You know what? So, so, so we've got a couple more um, funding things. JustWorks gets forty million bucks, and JobCase gets eleven and a half. And you and I couldn't figure out exactly what JobCase does. But the big news down at the bottom of the pile is that is that the Border Patrol um, is is entering into a digital revitalization project with the prime contractor being Salesforce. And the, the heart of the work is building out Salesforce's HR recruiting, retirement, engagement processes. That's wild. And, and it sounds like they're integrating the basic HR stuff with, um, I guess management and scheduling of border activities. So it's a, it's so it's a comprehensive HRIS uh, offering that includes talent management functionality from Salesforce.com. Yeah, th- this one sort of blew me away. I I, I you know caught it. Uh, you know, uh, someone was talking about it. I saw a quick you know clip on it, and I was like, huh. This, I, you know, we, we've definitely seen sort of HR platforms that have been built on the, you know, sort of Dreamforce platform with the Salesforce elements, right? We've, we've also seen, you know, um, Salesforce being used sort of as a help desk component inside of HR, but sort of from the recruiting side, I mean, you may see this more than I do, you know, it in itself being sort of seen as a platform that this can be built around. This seemed a little bit more like, hey, Salesforce went in there and pitched themselves as a, as a full-blown you know, sort of HR slash talent um, tool that someone could use in a way that also connected, like you said, with what they're doing on the sort of operations side of Border Patrol because they're in, also including it in sort of um, what they were saying is the engagement with citizens I'm not sure what that means, but the tool is also going to be used to do that. So it's it's a very sort of cross-functional concept of what they're building here, more than just an ERP, I think, because you're including what would be, I guess, their clients, if you want to call that, right? It's so 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 I'm at a loss for what sort of citizen engagement the Border Patrol has. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Please don't come to my house and arrest my mommy. I guess that might be the <laughs> one of the kinds of citizen engagement you have with the border patrol, and and you you arrested the wrong person. <laughs> but but I don't think I don't think people are writing in dear border patrol love notes that they're handling this way. So there's some sort of there's some not, yeah. sort of process 
that they're talking about that, that, that involves the actual work of the Border Patrol, but it's an hourly workforce, right? Um, and so, so the scheduling of an hourly workforce and the, the um, feedback, if you will, from, from the people that the hourly workforce encounters, all being part of a single HR system that includes recruiting and retirement, um, and then get them. It's a really interesting idea, and it and it gets at something that I've been following at the edges of my work that that HR is being disrupted by non traditional players. This actually sounds like a very advanced HR system, and I I don't. I don't see Salesforce in the marketplace. So, so there, it means that there are things happening sort of outside of our view that deeply affect the market that we're in. It's a really interesting story. Yeah, I, I was, I was intrigued by it. I know, and 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 as you you commented, you know, it is about you know the fact that this is sort of a, a non-traditional sort of approach to sort of addressing the um, needs in HR. But I think also too. It's it's a very forward thinking in that if they're really thinking about how all this fits together, your employees, the work they do, the operations elements, even the people they come in contact, whether they're customers, clients, or people you're serving or people who you're not serving but who are um, under your sort of purview, all of that data at some level is is coming together. And ERPs aren't quite... Because they're because they're all about taking data in in some cases, not how you use data, right? The big thing they they mention in this is that Salesforce Analytics will be used for dashboards to monitor things like recruiting efforts by demographic, region, and other factors. So they're really emphasizing the analytics component of this as a big reason it seems as to why they're why they're investing in this. I can't wait to learn more about this one. This is this is this is such an interesting idea. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how much I like the core mission of the client, uh, but yeah. the but but the idea that there are full spectrum providers who are not from the industry at all that should be a kind of a wake up call to a whole bunch of people we know. Yeah. Uh, on many levels, not whether it's just HR or the ERP level, enterprise you know, system level at a at a broader uh, area. You know, I, I'm I've been hearing, and you know, like as you said, you, you hear about it a little bit in in the sort of the analytics space. I think more than any place else. But this idea of of taking you know non traditional platforms and leveraging them in ways. Um, this is, I think, also where we're starting to hear things like task management tools, um, you know, project management tools those type of things being leveraged in much more sort of human resource ways than we've seen in the past as well, um, with the idea that the work, if you center everything around the work, you might get a better product than centering around, um, you know, the data to some extent, right? It's, a, it's an interesting question. I think that's right. I think that's right. So. So. We um, so <laughs> so do you, do, so. The next question is: We've got a few more minutes, John. Do you want to talk about how algorithms are are changing to include learning from mistakes, 
Or would you rather talk about a company that's getting $40 million and me and you can't quite figure out what they do? I mean, those are the, probably the two other biggest things that, that we saw this week is that there's there's a lot of money going into different areas where maybe the, the software's um, still somewhat ambiguous. Um, but we're also seeing new, new changes take place in the AA market. No. Um. Well, let's see. Tell tell me what you know about um, algorithms that can learn from their mistakes. <laughs> I read I read that I read that article, and basically what it said was that that if you tell the machine, this is like the every kid gets a trophy school of thought about um, yep. um, algorithm as learning devices. And so, so if you can teach the uh, algorithm that its failure was actually a success, somehow that accelerates its learning. And yeah, I got I I kind of got lost in that concept. <laughs> I actually, it's it, it's a really interesting concept. You, you, I think you have to sort of. They had a video that that showed an example of it when I was reading through it, and I thought this was really fascinating. That you know, basically showed that. Originally, when you do an algorithm, sort of the idea is that there's a zero and a one. You're either right or you're not right, right? And so, each time the system goes to do that, it's learning from the fact it's it's learning because you only give it a reward when it hits the mark. So it just keeps trying different things to hit the mark, right? What um what the sort of mistake based sort of AI model is is that it gets a reward the 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 positive feedback whatever you want to call it right when it gets closer to the you know outcome than not closer right and so what you saw is that you know they had an arm that was picking up blocks right and the one that was you know sort of the the general traditional algorithm was picking up the blocks basically it would you know go to a corner and it wasn't there and come back and it would go to another corner and it wasn't there. So we just keep kind of picking spots until it got to the right spot, right? Um, right, the way I where the one, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah very much. Playing where, the other al- where the other algorithm was basically it showed the arm sort of, you know, going to a spot and saying, oh, you're cold, you're, you know, cold here, you know, and then it go to another spot, oh, you're warm here, so it would stay, stay in that general area, you know, a better way of playing Battleship, right? Um, it you know, I think in some instances this is actually going to be really, really valuable to to give the idea that there are there are variations or tiers of of rewards, right, or tiers of things that you should be giving um, an artificial intelligent sort of algorithm to look for, because this is how humans work. We don't generally live in a in a black and white you know space where we sort of make a decision or not make a decision. We make variations or degrees of decisions, right based off of the amount of information we have available at that point in time. Um, and I think this is, it'll be interesting to see how well this can be built into um, tools that, that it can actually, you know, you know, be used in. I think this will have a lot of application in the HR space because HR is particularly the space where there's a lot of gray area, right, where there's not always a clear yes and no, where there's not always a right and wrong answer especially when we start talking about bias and algorithms and um, diversity yeah, and yeah. challenges in that space. So. Yeah, hang on, though. Um, so, so, so this tool gives you a reward if you're close um, and, and a bigger reward if you actually get it right. In HR decision-making, we don't have that at all, ever. There's not right answers. There are 
better answers and there are worse answers, but there are no right answers. That's part of the problem with applying AI to to human resource problems to begin with is most AI is built in a world where there are right answers. So so if you get all the rules right, um, you can beat a Go master at Go because there are finite rules and a very specific outcome. In most HR decisions, there are not finite rules. If you go to low-level hourly hiring for light industrial jobs, there are specific yes and no answers. But 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 in employee discipline or learning development or most of these things, there are not close enough because there's no actual right answer. So I don't I don't I don't really understand how this would work in HR. Yeah. Well, I think that that'll be, I guess, the what we'll see in the future, because I think people are going to use AI, whether it is the right thing to do or not in HR. So I guess I'd rather they use a better, more closely aligned tool than not. But that's that's my perspective on it. It'll be interesting to keep watching it. You know, you'll you're you're doing more research in this space than most, John. So so it'll you'll be able to tell us whether or not it's actually working or not, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah. funny. So we've. We have wound our way through another show. Thanks for doing this as usual, Stacey. It's, it's, it's great to have this conversation every week. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. Really appreciate the fact that you're paying attention to us. Um, and we will see you back here next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Yeah, yeah. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. And we will see you here next week. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.